0: Welcome back to Raven's Recap. Well, guys, we're finally at this episode. There was a time just a couple days ago, I don't think we knew whether or not this episode was going to happen yet because we didn't know this game was even going to come in this week, but just barely, just barely making it into week 12 was this Raven-Steelers matchup, which we'll get into it. I don't don't know how much we really want to take out of it given how many starters weren't there, but... The one thing you can't fault the Ravens for in this game was the Ravens that were on the field, they played their heart out. Definitely. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good thing that you uh, started out with the intro, Peter, because I
1: was about to say that we're going to recap all of the uh, COVID positives that have happened over the week. Uh, it, it got to a point where we were like, oh, should we have a pod? Should we... Uh, <laughs> should we give people an update about what's happening and we're like no we, it, 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 things might change we might have more players test positive tomorrow and just like it would just be old news like news was coming in every couple hours for the past week and uh yeah it, it got so bad where i i read uh, a stat on, on twitter yesterday it said like the ravens only dress 36 players and normally you know this year teams are dressing 46 47 players and uh i mean that's you know 10 fewer players than usual and uh yeah, it, it it got particularly bad with some position groups. I mean, D line—you only had a, a handful of guys. Derek Wolfe was probably the one of the only guys that most people would know playing on the D line. Everybody else affected. Uh, tight end, Mark Andrews was out. Nick Boyle, obviously, we know was out. That was a completely different room. Yeah, it was uh it was certainly something. But as you said, man, like even though they lost to only lose five points. You know, against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are now 11 and 0. I know there, uh, you know, a lot of people are going to say that like there are no silver linings from a loss, but like those guys should be pretty proud about you know all the, uh, all the stuff that they had to go with and from prior to the game and to come out like that. Like that was a, that was a moral victory
2: yeah i heard this whole no silver linings from a loss and i'm like isn't that exactly the definition of a silver lining (laughs) like a bad situation but a good like a good piece from a bad situation i feel like it has to be during a loss well i mean like you can but like you know
1: uh, if you have too many of them it's like well if you're losing games it's like well, <laughs> there's not really a silver lining there, right? You're just not winning at all, right? Usually, you know, you want a silver lining because, like, you're going to bounce back or something, right?
0: Yeah, I think the Jets
2: are way beyond silver linings by this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I will say that you're right. Even though we tried to record a podcast about, like, the status of COVID, it failed, right? Like, it did change. Even Tuesday the Wednesday, it changed because it seemed at that point that, every report was is hinting towards the fact that Ingram and Dobbins would play. Um, and then they didn't right? So things like that, things like, uh, Brandon Williams until the last second, he was then deemed out like whilst recording with Ken, (laughs) like, I mean, it was, it was constantly changing. There was no, uh, there's no way to really do a pot about it. And I think everyone was pretty in tune because it was such a high profile game Thursday night. I'm glad that I guess, I mean, I don't know, guys. I honestly felt like this game was going to happen. It was pretty obvious that they were very dead set on having it happen, no matter what. And I think it's worth discussing the player safety because we saw a lot of players get gimpy during this game, and a lot of them, including RG3, kind of alluded to but didn't want to get themselves in trouble, that that seemed to be the concern they had with the NFL when it came to player safety. It was almost like, at this point, not even about the COVID transmission because they did wait pretty long on that. It was, okay, but we haven't, like, practiced and we're going to be more injury prone and we definitely saw that a lot of players hobbled off the field at one point or the other and then came back but uh, other people didn't come back
0: yeah i mean and we've talked about this before i mean maybe not on this show i don't know but i know in the in the chat that we have uh separate of the of the show as well as in our fantasy football chats we've mentioned before why the nfl and it's not just us who's mentioned this what the nfl has against pushing games off to a a week 18 or a week week 19 if you need to because it's like Alex said recently you know we don't know exactly who's to blame for the fact that the Ravens had this giant outbreak Um, you know we're not actually in the facility all we have to go by is off of what's released in the press it could have been the Ravens fault it could have been a hole in their protocol or it could have just been you know COVID's everywhere now and if you're we are Taking part in an activity, organized sports and team meetings and locker rooms that, you know, really the only reason that they're going on right now during a pandemic is because of money. I mean, it, 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 transmission is going to happen. So, it we've talked about this ad nauseum. We're not talking about this because it happened to the Ravens. We said back all the way back when it happened with the Titans, why were the NFL trying to cram the game in that week? Why are you not trying to? postpone the game so that this team can, the players are ready to play the game and are in game shape so you don't risk injury on top of, hey, this team might still have, you know, a couple people out there on the field who have the virus in them because it's only been a couple days of, uh, well, yeah, even in the Ravens case, they did have one player test positive before the game. So, you know, I'm curious what more
1: information is going (sighs) to... I don't know if all this is going to be released or if this is just going to be. Like I don't think ins- it will be. Yeah, I, I think yeah. I think that's the danger, right? Is that like I like I think we know that the initial uh, outbreak from strength and conditioning coach Steve Saunders. I mean, he was the guy who like brought it in, right? And I think everybody's aware of that, and I think everybody is uh, made that very clear that they are upset with him. And I think Ravens well, fans. Well, I not a scapegoat, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I still think that like. If you have one person coming in and like not doing the basic protocols that everybody's doing, like that, th- there's there's more blame there. I'm not saying it's all blame, but like there's more blame there. But I'm very curious to know that, like okay after that point, how did it spread, right? And that's the part where I'm not sure if we're gonna know because you know I'm sure a lot of people are just assuming like oh like Ravens players just aren't wearing masks like throughout the facilities, like not following basic protocols, which could be the case. I'm not saying it's not. But it could very well be that, like, you know, basic protocols were followed, or maybe protocols weren't outlined enough by the NFL for the teams to be able to actually have a safe locker room environment. That could also be the case. Um, I, I'm not an expert in this. I'm just saying that there are just some options out there and some information that's not uh, available at the moment. I think a lot of people are trying to piece it together with what we've got, but I don't think it's all going to come out. I, I don't think it's entirely on the Ravens for this because. In general, this is, I believe, their first violation. You know, the, the Raiders and the, and the it is. Uh, New Orleans Saints have multiple violations um, by the NFL. That's why they were fined so much. This is the first one from the Ravens. For all we know, they have been following protocol. And the only thing that we do know is that there was one guy who apparently who was not following protocol. We don't know for how long. We don't know how long this persisted. But we don't know then. That's the only thing we know, but we don't know how it spread. And I'm very curious But again, we're we're probably not going to find this out, but like Mm. what exactly happened after that? Because yeah, I think it goes right back to like, okay, well, if this is where the protocols were outlined and we had an outbreak, then we really should have had a backup plan for like, okay, we're going to have a week 18, week 19, because if this happened based on our protocols, this can literally happen to any team at any time because what we have outlined is just not sufficient.
2: It's not sufficient. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I, I have to... I don't know. Maybe we want to just put a cork in this after this, but I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. It's been incredibly clear since the beginning, right, that this was not going to work. And honestly, the fact that we've gone this far without, like, it getting really bad... I think this week, not just the Ravens game, you had the Denver situation, you had um, other situations, uh, the Cleveland's Clevelands. We got really lucky that I we got so. this far without yeah. a major issue. And I'm telling you right now, I don't care how well they were following the protocols. I really don't. I think they probably followed them average not perfect not like immaculate i'm gonna say they're probably average about how good everyone is right now i mean look around a mask wearing in the area you know look at uh just general people yeah. that you know right they're probably about average But i think the biggest thing that they don't talking about is that they're practicing without any restrictions whatsoever uh with their mouths and i'm telling you if if you are with the virus and you exhale <laughs> And the other person inhales at the same time. I don't care that you're outside. It's going to have a decent concentration. You do enough reps of that, you're going to get COVID. I'm sorry. I think it's that simple and no one wants to talk about it because this game, we were, we were saying in the beginning of the year, right? Like you have two lines like being nasty with each other for yeah. a whole game. And they're good. Like you saw the offensive line. The offensive line got decimated and the defensive line as well. Like... It's right there, guys. It, this is not a mystery. They just don't want to talk about it because the game itself could be the problem, right? <laughs> like, and it's fine. We love this sport, but like, it's 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 extremely clear to me, at least, that this sport inherently is going to be a problem. And the second it's in the clubhouse, it's game over. And they tried real hard to keep it out, and they did a decent job for a very long time. But with COVID as bad as it is externally, like I got, I I wore an N95 all day today at work. Because Rachel's work requested that every person living with, uh, you know, her, um, if they go out and about, grocery, etc., wears n N95 because it's just that bad mm-hmm. right now. They ask her to wear like all her PPE, right? Because she has it. Um, I mean, like, it's that's how bad it is right now, guys, and like it's going to get worse. I I hope it doesn't, but it 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 feels like yeah. having our head in the sand.
1: I mean, I definitely think it's a reflection of where you know the United States and the world is as like the world right now right i mean case numbers are just going up and and that's a fact right it's just going up in every single state and like yeah it is it is just more risky at the moment and yeah so I, i'm not surprised as far as the timing like it happening
0: now it's like this is the prime time for it to happen on that note we send our best wishes prayers whatever you do to wish good luck to those who did uh, contract the virus with the Ravens and the coaching staff as well as their families i think that 's that 's something r g three mentioned uh in in the post game was just kind of i guess there 's still the crowd some some people who say like oh well you know it doesn 't matter if athletes get it because they 're you know, young and in such physical shape they 'll recover from it quickly you know r g three to bring up well it 's not just that it 's that you know members of the Ravens players and coaching staff, their families did get it, and then you just never know if one of those people could have been at risk and where does that transmit all that. But anyways, yeah, we've talked ad nauseum about COVID. Probably you listening to this have, you obviously, if you were out and about today at work or somewhere else, you had to wear a mask. If you turned on the news, you heard about COVID. You don't want to hear about COVID right now. You want to hear about football. And we want to talk about the Ravens and how the players who were able to go on the field. We'll talk positives to start with, because I think when, especially when we look at the defensive side of the ball and special teams, part of it was that the Steelers basically slept walk through most of this game but at the same time like there was a lot of things that went well on both those sides of the ball for the ravens
2: i think this team needs to start playing like there's nothing to lose because that seems like their mentality going into this game is that they had absolutely nothing to lose no one thought they were going to win it was the whole b team and they went out there with such tenacity and uh particularly the defense played immaculate all things considered, I think they got a little tired at the end, but like that's what happens when you're playing your heart out and you have uh, you know, a bunch of B team guys, like you don't have nearly the um rotation that you wanted to have. I think, Chris, you're you're 37 people. I think that was 37 people from the active normal roster, and then they filled it all up mm, with okay. practice squad. I mean, I think they still have forty-eight people, but the but you're right, like normally you're not calling up the whole practice squad, but here we are basically doing just that. This game was, I, I felt really good leaving it because the fact that we gave them a run for their money, I know that they sleptwalked, but we did some pretty impressive things on defense that made me excited for when this defense reforms, you know, you get the Avengers together, it's going to look good.
1: Yeah. The, the funny thing
2: is, is like after the
1: game happened, I, th- I thought back to our, the first Steelers game and when we did the recap for that, and basically my whole point was that of look, if you take away the turnovers and the negative plays that we had, just a handful of them, Ravens win that game easy. And this is almost a carbon copy of it. And uh, You know, given that out of the roster that was on the field, I, that's a huge win. <laughs> like, you know, it, it sucks that the Ravens didn't, you know, weren't able to go in there into Pittsburgh and get the win because, you know, obviously that would just have been even more sweet. But the fact that they achieved almost the same thing with just the squad that they put out there, it was just, you know... Uh, Pretty pretty amazing, considering too that I mean the Steelers, you know when they went in the first game, I mean they were undefeated. Obviously, they in this game they were also undefeated. But I would have to think that at least from like a performance, like you know the Ravens have to be. I'm not going to say they're trending up because they've lost a few games so far. But like you'd have to think based, you know, if they basically achieved the same thing with such a squad that they did have, then they should be trending up, right? Cause there, there there could be a lot of excitement building about this team right now.
2: Yeah, they broadcast mentioned like seldom do you think of a loss as a turning point for a team in a good way but they say given the fact and all the challenges we had going into this game we might look back if they make a playoff run on this game being the turning point and i'm like yeah you will look back on it particularly because also our schedule is going to open it up like the schedule is going to look a little bit easier we're going to get players back we've talked about it like a couple of weeks ago like it looks like uh it's it's honestly compared to the election this year right there's a mirage right now And then all these other things are going to happen. And we're going to get right into the playoffs. It's going to be great. And uh, (laughs) I I mean, it's kind of funny. Like, obviously, like, there's a lot of teams fighting for the playoff spots right now. It's, I think, a a pretty um, top-heavy league right now, it seems. So it's not a given that we're going to make the playoffs. But there's a lot of reason to think we still can make the playoffs. And then from there, everyone's 0-0. There's none of these records matter. All that matters is what you're able to do right there in the moment. And obviously, if we have one of these moral victories in the playoffs, like that's no good. We can't have that. But right now, it's a little bit more acceptable.
1: Yeah, and I think the the big thing that this team is going to lean on, uh, going back to the defense a little bit, I, I think there are several uh, leaders on the defense that they can lean on. Uh, I think the two big guys for me are Mar- Marlon Humphrey and Derek Wolf. Derek Wolfe in particular, man, I, I, I know we've talked about him the past couple of weeks, but I just got to say... He's really, really stepped up his game and his leadership uh, on the field leadership, at least how I've seen it, uh, especially with the last couple of games with Calais Campbell being out. It's so funny just because in the beginning of the season, like I, I didn't notice him as much. And that's not a bad thing, right? I mean, he was definitely had some good things. We had talked about it before, but... You know seeing him as like one of the only like elder statesmen on this team and and seeing the way that he uh, stepped up and played even though you know the the matchups that we had were, were just not very favorable uh, have just been like very very inspiring and it's you know it's it's really given me like flashbacks to some of the great Ravens players that we've had in the past Ray Lewis Terrell Suggs Nada, guys like that who you could consistently count on to to make a big play. Derek Wolfe has been that guy for me, and it's, it's it's just been a lot of a lot of fun watching him.
0: Yeah, he definitely plays a position, um, and more so when Campbell and Williams are on the field, where he's doing a lot of the dirty work and opening up plays for other guys. So you're not really going to see him, but yeah, I think you bring up a great point with with Campbell and Williams in and out of the lineup the past couple weeks. Uh, he's had to step up his game, and it's felt like he's become like like two players at times because he's just <laughs> like has such a range over on whenever a running back is on his side of the field when they're running that way like he's in on the play he's just playing with such a high motor and i think it's an underrated signing because remember this guy wasn't even the ravens first choice in free agency
2: because that's right
0: remember they signed brockers and then brockers uh reneged on the deal and, and signed back with the rams and then then a couple days later, the Ravens went to Wolf. I highly doubt they would have signed Wolf in addition to Brockers. So, yeah, that what a what a key signing that's been for for a guy. And he, you know, he, he just loved the guys. He's a he's a lunch pail guy. He just comes in, doesn't really complain about his role. He just goes out and gives one hundred twenty percent on game day. So, yeah, he's a guy that a vet big vet guy that the Ravens are going to really rely on as they go down the
2: stretch. Wolf the Warrior, as I deemed him in my doc. I mean, this guy got hurt. He got hurt at the same play that um, that Jimmy was down, and uh, he came back a couple snaps later, and he didn't look hurt. He played really well. He made a couple big plays, run stops. Ben, don't break was a, a big mantra for this defense, and he was a big part of that. I think that guy deserves all the credit for really uh, putting the whole load of the defensive line on his shoulders. I mean, he's really the only marquee player left. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was. Uh,
1: there are a couple plays in particular, <laughs> man. I just like he would quickly shed a block off to Castro or I, I can't remember the right tackle's name. I had it. I had it the first game. I can't remember the right tackle's name this time, but uh, yeah, he'd shed the block and then immediately tackle. Uh, running back in the backfield I think it was Snell he basically just like jumped on top of Snell and I think it was Queen or somebody helped wrap him up or something but it was just like he had like a handful of those plays man where he just completely beat his guy off the ball and was in on it but yeah it's been great another guy like I said at the top uh, Marlon Humphrey you know I, I felt like maybe he hasn't looked as dominant and and, and maybe this is just because he's, we haven't seen as many uh, forced fumbles from him recently but like this game like, you knew one was coming. He, he like, had so many punch-outs of the football. The Steelers receivers just, like, couldn't hold on to the ball. And sadly, a lot of the punch-outs just happened on the sideline, so it didn't benefit the Ravens. But it's like this guy is trying to go for the strip every single play. You know, fortunately for us, I mean, you know, a lot of it did go his way. Part of me, like, it's such a weird thing, right? Because it's, like, such a positive trait of his game. And we love when it happens, when it's successful. It's awesome. But, like... They're all, always like a handful of plays that I feel like I've seen recently where I'm like, he's going for the strip, but like he should have just like tackled the guy like, the, you know, he missed it or maybe the guy like, you know, shugged it off and, and ran for a couple more yards. And it's like, you know, you don't want to coach it out of him, but you're also just like, you don't have to do that all the time. But regardless, man, it's um when he's on, he's on. We just got to channel that and really rely on that
0: for the next couple of games here. Yeah, I think Humphrey's strip sacking uh, abilities is, is turning a little bit into uh, Ed Reed with his uh, his audibles and coverage. You know, it's like when it, when it works, you're just like, yeah, it's an incredible. Look at that play. But then when it when it doesn't, it's that you know that's just what happens with gambles. It's like <laughs> it's really noticeable. But yeah, I think overall, I mean, you know, Humphrey, Clark, Peters wasn't a perfect game from those guys. Oh, Tremont Williams, yeah, he stepped up. He had big plays in there when Elliot and Smith were in and out because of injuries. Again, for just two games in a row, the Ravens secondary just held these Steelers receivers who are tearing everyone else up that they play uh, over the past six, seven weeks. They've just been on fire. 52 yards to Claypool, 46 to Johnson, 37 to to Juju. Like That's a recipe for beating this team. And only one Offensive touchdown for the Steelers. The other touchdown was a was a defensive interception return. That's a, a recipe to beat
2: this team in the playoffs. If if that matchup is in the Ravens' future. Speaking of matchups, I don't understand how other teams haven't had success running against this team. Like we did it twice. I know we're really good at running the ball, but come on. Like <laughs> these pool plays were working great, and <laughs> I don't understand how uh, how that happened. I should probably bring that up during the offense and not the defense. I yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> I, I mean, I can I can kind of see how other teams aren't having some success. I mean, look, you know, I, I think the big, you know, I, I think the biggest benefit that the Ravens have is is the uh, the read option and the, the double threat of the quarterback taking it and, and running it or going with the running back. Um, You know, I felt like the Steelers had a lot of tackles for loss. I mean, it wasn't a a perfect day. I don't think it was as good as when the Ravens uh, faced them a few weeks ago. There were a lot of plays where Gus would be tackled for loss. Uh, Justice would have a couple tackles, uh, be tackled in the backfield a few times. And, you know, if... I could see how you know Pittsburgh has the tools to be able to do stuff like that, and you know a lot, a lot of plays were negative, but it was really a lot of the the plays where they had that misdirection, or they you know uh, RG three would take it and run with it. Um, those really started to open things up, and there were a lot of chunk plays for that, and I, I think maybe that might be more indicative of just the Steelers linebackers maybe not being as adept at finding the football. We know that Devin Bush, one of, I guess, the Steelers' second-year player, uh, middle linebacker, he's been out for the season, so he hasn't been playing. So they've been kind of a little bit shorthanded at middle linebacker. And so really it was just kind of like once, you know, either the running back or RG3 could kind of get past the uh, the D-line, which is definitely the strength of the Steelers' defense. I mean, they had many yards to get after that before they were tackled. But yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, if you want to go over the offense a little bit, like the, I I thought the run game was okay. I mean, again, like given who was in the game and the lack of practice and everything, like they leaned on it and it worked, so that was good. It was definitely better than the passing game. (laughs) I don't know about you guys, but that first drive, first two drives, I guess by RG three, I was just like, here, here we are. This is like I wasn't even, I wasn't even upset. It was just more of like.
2: This is going to be entertaining, nonetheless. <laughs> Honestly, guys, um, I was a big oh. RG three is like a pretty good person to have as our backup. Like he fits the offense well, etc., etc. I knew a couple fans were wishing that he'd be out of town, right? And they find a different backup. Uh, I am now one of those fans because, like <laughs> this, th- this guy. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't think uh, I know he didn't have practice, which is like a big a big L for him. But uh, I-, I was like, oh man, like. <laughs> lamar must stay healthy <laughs> for this playoff ride <laughs> the, the, the situation of lamar getting hurt and like him filling in and being okay is, is not real people were asking me today oh is uh trace you know better And i was like no he got a good effort out of uh out of hollywood but like other than that he also made some suspect throws are nearly th- picked off and like missing people uh, i mean maybe he's equal maybe he's i don't know slightly better but he's not appreciably like good yep. <laughs> yeah so I, I was like all right guys like this is an issue i mean i think in, going into next year they need to they need to figure out
0: at least bring in someone to to battle mcsorley for this but i agree i think i think the rg3 experiment was it was a good idea especially considering when lamar jackson was was learning this offense and learning how to be a, a quarterback at the nfl level rg3 is a guy that you know they have different skill sets, but both of them are are quarterbacks who are electric when they're on the run. So that's something that, you Mm -hmm. know, RG3 is one of the best guys in the league you can bring in to help a guy like that. I think now that Lamar has progressed and now he has had success as a starter, RG3 really isn't necessary anymore to this team. And with Trace McSorley, exactly, you're saying, you know, there's a debate as to whether or not he's better than RG3 at this point, which means you obviously keep him over RG3 because McSorley is only in his second year in the league he has room to grow whereas RG3 we know he is at this point I'm not saying just well I'm sure we'll talk about in the offseason I'm not saying just keep McSorley and, and no questions asked I think you also just see what are the other options at least to give a guy in to to battle him but yeah I will say with McSorley I agree I mean it was great that he got the touchdown it was total luck and the Steelers in deep REM sleep pattern by that point in the game but he certainly came out and and played with some fire under his butt which was excellent I mean when he came in I didn't know it was gonna happen because I was just like we haven't seen this guy since last preseason like can he still play football but you know he he came out there and he didn't care that the game was pretty much out of hand he was just like all right I'm gonna I'm gonna just show what I've got and you love to see that yeah it was it was pretty cool
1: yeah I, I thought with both of those guys it was like look there were a couple of situations, or, or maybe a couple of drives, um, particularly with RG three, where if they really leaned on running the ball, I think we had a lot more success. But there were just a lot of throws, man. It just like was not making consistently, which is a little, you know, just a little disappointing, right? I mean, he's been around the offense long enough. Again, like noted, all the guys should be proud about how they played. They were in a terrible situation going into this, and like we're not expecting perfection here. But that being said, it's like you know he has been around a little bit. You kind of expect him to make a little bit more throws than, you know, than maybe he did this week, particularly because like, you know, outside of Willie Sneed and Mark Andrews, like, you know, they're, they're guys there, right? There there are receivers there that you can, you know, uh, throw the ball to. <laughs> like They're around. But one thing I, I will say to uh, to defend RG3 a little bit is that, man, oh man, pass protection in, in particular, I thought it was just like a little shaky Especially on some of the deeper throws that would be lined up. I mean, he took a couple of shots when trying to throw deep, and it's really unfortunate too because I think there were one or two balls that, you know, maybe if he had like a quarter of a second more to uh, make a more accurate throw, he could have hit Hollywood on on a few uh, on a few deep patterns. It's unfortunate, but you know, it is
2: what it is. Yeah, I was, that's exactly what I was going to bring up. Right when Marquise was still Marquise, like he was missed a couple times. He could have got his name back a little bit sooner in the game. He had the step. It just the ball wasn't where it needed to be. Yeah. I honestly though his accuracy wasn't my biggest concern. My biggest concern with RG three was they stared down every single one of his reads. Every single pass was telegraphed. And again, I know like he didn't have practice. I know like he's not used to having to run the offense. Right, but. I mean, he still was a star in this league. I think I expected a little bit more out of him. And it just, that's not what we got. So all in all, definitely a backup. I used to think like he was probably an underrated in the top 32 quarterbacks, right? Like an un- not starting, but higher than 32 quarterback. And after this performance, uh, I don't believe that to be the case.
0: Yeah, there's a there's a reason that the Bears and the Jaguars are in their current quarterback situation that they are in right now. And RG3 was never considered there as far as I know. <laughs>
1: no. Well, since we talked about him, I think we should switch it up. Do we think he's back? Marquise? Is he back? I think he might be back.
2: I think he's back. I thought, I thought that was a good game from him. <sighs> okay, so like the guy's definitely soft, right? So, like, on the pick six, on the pick six, he, he might have had a chance to stop him at the goal line and decide not to bother. And, it's it's whatever, because like, I, I don't think it would have mattered. Right. I don't think if he sold out, it would have mattered. But he didn't try, is one thing. Secondly, the corner, I forget who it was, for the Steelers bit on that huge play, right? He tried to pick off the ball, and he failed, and then we saw, you know, Hollywood use his legs and speed, and just one juke, and he was gone. It, it was impressive, don't get me wrong, but I mean, that's what we've been asking for all year. And I think, in short... They finally just were a little bit more dedicated to getting the ball in his hands. We saw a nice crosser route this game, which was something I called for and was happy to see. I think there's more work to be done with this offense and the routes that we run. I don't think this game was perfect by any means, but it might have been a limitation of having RG3 instead of Lamar. It could have been a limitation of having a lot of your interior line not there, although I don't know if it mattered. And yeah. Yeah. Like overall, I was kind of impressed with him and and I think this is the exact catalyst he needs going into another kind of soft matchup for him with Dallas. I think he could do another big game and this is the kind of momentum we need right now.
0: Yeah. For me, I I, I still can't say he's back cuz I didn't see anything out of him personally uh in yesterday's game that like we didn't already know he can do. Yeah. The touchdown that he had, he was Caught that wide open and really didn't have much, let's be honest, the Steelers weren't weren't trying at that point in the game. I think it, it was a very exciting play and excellent, but the big thing that he needs to, to do for us to feel confident that he can be a number one receiver on this team going forward is be able to catch contested catches and just be able to get open against hard man coverage, which I don't really think either was the case in this game. So, we'll see. I mean, without question, if the guy gets the ball in space, like, we know what he can do. But I do wonder just if he can ever be a number one wide receiver in the NFL. He's shown flashes of it before the bye, but it just seems like since then, defenses are keying on him more, and he's struggling with that. So, we'll see. But I do agree that this touchdown that he did have, despite the fact that it was kind of in garbage time, could be a confidence boost. Maybe it's just a confidence issue that he's having right now. He is a young player. So I think it is perfectly something that he can build on, but I do still have to see more personally.
2: Yeah. I think he's definitely going to be in that, to borrow a term, the Antonio Brown phylum, right? Like, he's not going to be an alpha per se, right? He's not going to be a Julio, but just because of his his stature, Mm. right? Steve Smith? Steve Smith wasn't an alpha? I don't think he was an alpha, honestly. Really? No. I do I honestly don't think he's an alpha. Really? I mean maybe okay. I, I I think I have a very high bar of what alpha means. <laughs> like I mean honestly, there's not many alphas, right? But I think he could still be a number one. I think they're different, in my opinion.
1: I was gonna say A B has been very successful. I mean,
2: prior to the whole leaving for Oakland and then everything after that, but <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is I think there's a um a vernacular problem in the NFL right now. We've seen the emergence of smaller guys being a number one receiver. I think Marquise can do that. I really do. What I don't think he can ever be is an alpha, which I think is now a different subsection of a number one, right? That's just a totally dominating force that can just will a game, right? Like, you see Julio Jones just will games, I would, I would say that Bolden was closer to an alpha than, than Marquise would ever be. From, like, just the ability to just create out of absolutely nothing. There has to be something for Hollywood to have success. But because of his electricity, he's able to do something. I would say Tyreek Hill, despite having a monster game, not an alpha. Not an alpha. But he is a number one and a very good one. I think it's a different thing. I, maybe yeah. I, I, I'm just saying like alpha, you have to be big, huge, and like super yeah. strong.
1: In fact, I mean, like, like <laughs> I I, I kind of see what you're saying, but also like you know uh, to Peter's point here, like Steve Smith, maybe not an alpha, but like he played like an alpha, right? An extremely physical player.
2: Oh right? yeah, I mean, well he's su- super, super fearless. fearless. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. I think
1: Tyree Kill, yeah. even though it, he's one of the, you know, if not the fastest player in the NFL, like one of the fastest players in the NFL. Like look at him, like he's super physical. <laughs> like he is definitely, I don't think, not afraid. Mm-hmm to uh, initiate contact sometimes i'm not saying he does it all the time but i mean he is like pretty strong and, and can do that when needed
2: oh yeah he's much more physical i think honestly if if we found a way for marquise I, I wonder if it's been coached out of him i really do because there's definitely been times where it looks like he's like intentionally not taking contact and i wonder if it's coming from the coaches i mean that's something we're not considering the coaches might be like limiting him
1: yeah i don't know i mean i, I would just like to find like some way right i mean Lamar not a super physical player. He you know he has on occasion made some, fought for some extra yards, taken some tackles that we don't want him to take. In particular, that run last year against the Jets that finally put him over the uh, single season rushing record. He took a, a shot from the Jets players at the time, right? Yeah. But usually, I mean, when he runs, like he can pick up those extra yards, but do it in such a way that he protects himself and just want that to happen with Marquise. <laughs> it's just like not dance around and like look for a hole and like try and like make something happen but just like get low get a couple more yards and like there you go Or just like it's like that piece you just haven't found and I I don't know if that's coaching or not but like if we could just find that like that would be that would be good you know it would be a positive improvement for sure
0: I just have one question for Alec on this on this whole debate here would you tell to Steve Smith's face that you do not (laughs) believe he's an alpha
2: do we have six feet of distance (laughs) No, he's not a guy I want to pick a fight with. Although, I, I understand he'll pick fights on Twitter like crazy. So if I said this on Twitter and tagged him, he probably would pick a fight with me. But maybe that's the ratings boost we need. <laughs> oh, God. That's funny. Hey, man, this is a, this is a difficult climate for, uh, for podcasters out there everywhere. <laughs> Worth it. <laughs> I do want to th- talk about one thing.
0: I did say, kind of as a joke, because we didn't know what was going on. I, I said we didn't know what was going on with this game back whenever we recorded that episode, and quite a bit more happened after that, I did change my score prediction, but I did not change my prediction that Luke Wilson would score a touchdown. But I do want to talk about that because we know for a fact, we, we said before Nick Boyle went down, that the fact that we didn't have the third tight end in of the offense, that role that Hayden Hurst had last year, uh, that that was hindering some of what the Ravens wanted to do. It's water on the bridge. We all know that there was no way that Hayden Hurst wanted to be a backup tight end any longer in his career. And actually, if you, I did point this out earlier in the week. If you guys look at Hayden Hurst's stats right now with Atlanta and compare them with Mark Andrews, very similar. So Hurst was, uh, had a point when he was betting on himself there. But yeah, so now we got Luke Wilson off the street. And I will say he's looked pretty good as a run blocker, but hopefully Andrews doesn't have to miss any more time because you know, he made some plays. He's made some plays with Seattle and he's had a pretty decently long career with them. But at least in the game yesterday, now I did see that he on the injury report, when he was brought up from the practice squad, he was questionable with an illness I, that I guess was non COVID related or else he wouldn't I play presumably. So. <laughs> Unless, you know, you know, the, I oh gosh, man. But yeah, when when they asked him to be a receiver, like it wasn't just that, that play in the end zone, he looked. A combination of lost and just he couldn't bring the ball in at all
1: yeah he does not have soft hands definitely did not look like it this game and it was super unfortunate too i mean that that whole series of events before the half man justice was short and you know i I knew that they could get one more play in and you know if they would have just gotten that touchdown before halftime oh my god that would have completely changed the game you know just this close to it too and it's super frustrating
2: it's the only time I yelled all game. I thought he had it. I, I the only yeah. time that was such an exciting moment was was that, and I, I, I not even the Hollywood catch did I let out a whimper because it it took time to develop. Right, this yeah. one was so so exciting because the bit he was open. uh but we got to talk about it, guys. We're here. We've made it to this part of the show. I don't like to complain about refs. This one is inexcusable. This one is absolutely positively inexcusable by the refs. I rewatched it today. My blood was boiling. I would like to read the rule book for you guys. Article five, other delay of game fouls. Other examples of action or inaction that are to be construed as delay of the game include, but are not limited to a literally the first one, a a player unnecessarily remains on a dead ball or on a runner who has been downed. There were three of them. They could have thrown the bag thrice, but they threw it no (laughs) zimes. I I can't, I I don't know what to say. Like that one was huge. That was a huge impact to the game. It has to be talked about. We would have got another play. We would have had a better chance to score. And I mean, it was, it was blatant. If you rewatch it, they should have been able to snap the ball at 17 seconds. I kid you not. They snapped the ball at six, five seconds. Why? Ten seconds of lollygagging. I mean, I don't know what to say. It was really bad. It was really, really, really egregious. And if you weren't listening with sound, the commentators agreed, right? (laughs) Like they were wondering why the flag wasn't thrown before the snap.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, from a a purely football perspective, yeah, it's a, a frustrating no call for sure. (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh, my uh my, my cynical self at this point just thinks like, hey, the the refs are tired of the Ravens having COVID too, and they just wanted to get this done on the weekend, and they had to come to work on a Wednesday afternoon, and nobody wanted to do that. I mean, it it could have been. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't you think know, it was, I, but you know, I, I guess you know, as a as a non Ravens fan, I guess at that point, like, I don't know if I would blame them, but you know, from like a purely football perspective, it's like, guys, like anything that happened. Prior to the game, it doesn't matter. It's a game today. Like you know, that's how that's how it should be performed, right? It's just it's a game. There are no biases against anything. But
0: yeah, I don't really think it was a difference in the in the Ravens winning or losing the game, though. I I kind of look at it this way. I mean, yeah, the the rule clearly states that the flag should have been thrown in that case, but I I kind of look at it as like what are what were the unlikely plays that went the Ravens' way, like. The Ravens shouldn't have gotten that first touchdown either. Like, there was no reason for Ray-Ray McLeod to not fair catch that ball. Like, that was the clear thing to do there. He got walloped, as what happens in that case. And the Ravens got a touchdown that they wouldn't have gotten that early because it wasn't till that drive that the offense was able to uh, put together any means of being able to go down the field. So, it was a bad break, but... I personally don't get I'm not getting too worked up over it because I I think the Ravens were lucky to even be in a position to to be taking the lead before halftime personally
1: right it was like they hung in there and the Steelers obviously didn't play very well but it's not like the Ravens played very well either at least in all phases of the game right I think we acknowledge the defense played very well the special teams played very well but the offense was like clearly by far like the weak point of the game
2: oh, I mean they were miserable you had to put it on a tee for them right <laughs> They didn't score a touchdown without great assistance. Well, on that note, I guess I guess the way to, to close this is to
0: kind of talk about what we hinted at the beginning. Like, what are how do the Ravens build on this, and do we feel like there's a, a sh- legitimate shot here with the nine team logjam that we currently have for seven playoff seeds for uh,
2: the Ravens to to make a run at the playoffs? Two things, Chris just talked about, it, but we didn't talk about it in full. The special teams was immaculate this game. Not only did Justin Tucker make his kicks, as expected for a professional, unlike what they have in Pittsburgh, but a huge generation of of burst, of spark from Devonta Harris, number 33. You might not know him. I didn't even know about him until the day before Went on Ken's podcast. I had no idea who this guy was. I didn't even know who was on the team. Forced a punt fumble. Touchdown beautiful big breakup down the field beautiful right <laughs> this, this guy had a great stop it, uh it wasn't necessarily in the red zone but the catch would have been in the red zone it was near the goal line and huge breakup i think this guy i was super impressed with i think for this mid-season pre game we had this guy would have been the guy we said that needs to make the roster right devonta harris number 33
1: yeah great game uh great game from Anthony Levine, too on special teams and uh some some really good plays
0: from a lot of guys and we can't forget Sam Cook too had a had a couple punts inside the 20 uh we always got to mention Sam Cook's game in the well I mean it it was a joke last year we had to mention Sam Cook when he got on the field unfortunately he's been on the field quite a bit more this year not just in this game but still doing what he's doing at uh what is he 36 now? I thought he was 37. 38. 38 years old. 38, Sam, Sam there Cook there you go. And he's still he's still one of the best in the league. Gotta love it. Yeah. But let's go back
1: to your question, Peter, um, to kind of wrap this thing up a little bit. So, what do the Ravens need to do? Well, put it this way: they need to basically win out. I'm not saying they have to win out. There are obviously scenarios in which they they don't have to win out. But like at this point, like their fate is in their own hands, and like let's keep it that way. Winning out will definitely help. The second game against the Browns, I think, is absolutely the key. Right. They're ahead of the Ravens right now by two games. Getting another win helps close the gap. Last five games of the Browns, I think they have a tougher schedule than we do. So they're more likely to lose some games, but that doesn't mean that they're likely to lose enough for us to get ahead of them. So that's the one key, I think, is that they need to stay ahead of them. But yeah, they, I mean, they just got to put some stuff together and win some games, man. I mean, this is the this is the third game in a row that they've lost.
2: It is. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, they're in a three-game losing skid at this point. They got to stop that. They got to win a game.
2: And then they got to stack those. The Browns will definitely be behind us if we do our job because they've got the Titans. That's an L. They've got us. That's an L. They've got the Steelers. That's an L.
0: Mm, steal, last game of the season,
2: Steelers have nothing to play for. That could be true. They're going to play for that perfect record. I think there's at least two L's between us and the Titans for sure, right? Like, that feels pretty decent. I mean, nothing's guaranteed in the NFL, but that feels decent. Those two L's equalize us and we'll have the tiebreaker of beating them twice. So I, I'm i not too worried about the Browns, but I agree they're kind of like the number one people you need to stay ahead of and we'll be in.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You look at the, the, the wins the Browns have, their most impressive win is against the Colts, which the Ravens were also able to do. Other than that, they really haven't beaten anyone. So that is something that, the Ravens can uh feel confident about going into the Browns is that they're not quite as good as their record, but another thing to look at the Ravens again, obviously we have to look at records right now to see how their chances are compared to the rest of the field. I know that this stat does not tell the whole story, but I always like to look at teams' point differential over their standings as we get into the end of the season. and if you look at where the Ravens are in the AFC they're fourth and poor differential. they're behind the Steelers, Chiefs, and the Dolphins. But at plus 68, there's only three teams that are better than them there. Actually, if you look in the entire league, the only team in the NFC that has a better point differential than the the Ravens is the Saints at 101. And as far as their defense and points allowed, only the Steelers and, surprisingly, the Dolphins have allowed less. And that's in the entire league. Only two teams have given up less points than the Ravens have. So, you know... these losses the Ravens have, except for the game against the Chiefs, all those are winnable games. I know that those are still losses, but really the only thing holding back the Ravens, in my opinion, it's not talent. It's just getting these young these young players on this team to just just get rid of these mental mistakes and just, you know, not worry about the previous play and just just move forward.
2: If we can find a way not to be I, I'm convinced, guys, that the Ravens have an off-season plan of releasing a master class about how to line up improperly, and they're just trying to document every <laughs> single way that you can possibly line up improperly because we're doing it at an astounding clip. We are number one in the league, and it's not even close. That's one thing we're leading the league, and no one wants to talk about because it's yeah. so embarrassing. It's so it it's is horrible. embarrassing. Yep, they need to learn how to line up. This is ridiculous. Secondly, I think the number one thing the team's missing is not just the the notion of consistency or full 60 minutes it's that when they don't have a full 60 minutes and we're like someone needs to step up typically no one does that's been the struggle when you need that game changing play we haven't gotten it and i'm hoping that we get that soon and i think it's it's doable i mean that they they make these plays in isolation but when the game's on the line they don't
1: yeah Yeah, that's a good point. I think, uh, you know, with that, I mean, I think that they have definitely an excellent opportunity to be able to do that next week against the Cowboys. You know, hopefully that we can get back as many players as we can be able to play for that game. Hopefully there are, uh, you know, a a few more days maybe of practice depending on, you know, who comes back when and and all that stuff. But yeah, I I agree with both of you guys. I mean, there's the opportunities there. The talent's there Uh, the team is it looks close it it looks more well-rounded i think than last year even though the offense is not playing as good but the pieces are there and you know they they just need to put it together and they need to start with the win next week against the cowboys
2: well with that that's another episode of raven's recap guys if you haven't followed us yet on twitter i highly recommend it i've been retweeting a lot of great things on there a lot of really cool clips good analytics of the team i think you'll enjoy the follow make sure to email us at feedback at ravensrecap.com If you want to get in touch or just send us a mention on Twitter, we're going to be hopping on another call to talk about this Dallas game coming up. And uh, we've got another guest for the show. So we'll get a lot of insider knowledge of the team and we'll have a good opinion of if we're going to be able to have that bounce back that we're all hoping for. We'll see you in the next episode.